everybody welcome to the game on oz podcast for day today i am straight jacket jim joined by mercury and zulu and we're going to just jump straight into it because we've been keeping you waiting long enough so here's start the intro music That's some good intro music right there. So we're going to not faff about tonight because we've got a very big thing to talk about and that is Riot Games closing OPL for us. So for those of you that don't know, the OPL is the Oceanic Pro League for League of Legends that's here in Australia. And uh, they made an announcement if I'll just bring up the, the, the press release, it says that Riot Games, they want to build competitive and sustainable leagues that, leagues that drive commercial growth and fan engagement and support professional players a full-time career. Unfortunately, despite best efforts of our teams and players, the OPL has not met our goals for the league and we do not believe that the market is currently available to support the professional league. So that's some, uh, some corporate speak for we're not making enough money there by the sound of it but there's the human element to it as well in all the teams and players that we've got like i can only imagine the phone calls our man pete has been doing today as the the general manager of pentanet.gg but we've uh, invited mercury in to have a talk about how this affects us because mercury does some some shout casting for league of legends and also valorant so, Mercury, what's uh, what's some impressions that you've gotten from only the last couple of hours that this has happened? Yeah, I mean, the last couple of hours for me, it's been it's been hard. Yeah, I've been playing League since I was thirteen, so five and a half oh, years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've wanted to be a part of this scene pretty much since then, mm. and so seeing this, it it just feels like a gut punch, really. Mm. So I get I guess the big thing I know. Um, there's probably a bit of speculation and a bit of stuff in the works from the teams in the background, but what what does it mean for, for players in the short term and for the longer term as well? I mean, it, it's been coming. Like, last year they basically removed the minimum salary for players. Uh, it, it was the minimum salary before last year was $10,000 a year mm-hmm. for players. Uh, they dropped that because oh, wow. they're like, we're not making enough money. These players, they legally don't have to be paid anything to do this. So it's, it's been coming for a while, but to see this after our most successful uh, showing ever, it mm. just it feels really, really weird. And I, I feel like it hurts so many people as well. Like, for example, Isles, the, one of the players mm. on Legacy App World, yep. he's 19 years old. He's a rookie. Mm. He has, like before today he probably thought he had his whole career ahead of him and now to hear this for him it must be like so heartbreaking and it doesn't just affect the top teams because there's probably i'd say over a hundred pro players that this will directly either ruin their career or make them not as motivated because they feel like there's no reason to pursue it yeah I, I know, know myself, I tend to liken these back to sports 
team, like you know, traditional sports teams, because I must admit I don't know a whole lot about esports. But to me, it sort of smacks of when WA lost the Western Force and the state, the over east said, "Oh, you can still send your players over here to play," mm. but um, but the reality is that most players probably won't because they, mm. they it's a hard move going over east. And from from what I've been reading, um, Riot has said uh, that all OCE players will be eligible to play in the North American League, which is yeah. L- LCS. But, LCS, yeah. But that, that still, one, you'd either have to relocate over there, or yeah. two, you'd have to play with our internet, which, you know, <laughs> like, well, if Dan was here, we all know what he'd be saying right now. Yeah. yeah, and it's a bit hard to go anywhere at the moment. Well, that's right, yeah. yeah. especially. And more yeah. importantly, it's it's even harder to come back. So even if mm. you, it's not like you can just duck over to Korea for a cheeky scrimming session. That's it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's really it's a really bad situation. So and the fact is that they, it, by the sounds of it, they're not going to endorse anything. They're not going to support mm. anything that we do. So if we want to do our own tournaments in Australia, they're going to have to be non-right endorsed, mm. and. It just, yeah, so many people have lost their jobs. I've already seen the uh, the graphics designers already for Riot Games. He's already put out his thing mm. saying, I'm free, you know, yeah. I really need a job. Yeah, because yeah, it it's not just the yeah. teams themselves that are uh, being yeah. abandoned, well, left out, I guess. It's, it's the, um, the, the Sydney studio that Riot had set up as well. They're closing down because they were just there mainly to service the the OPL, but now mm. they're gone too. So all of a sudden, you've got all these teams, all these people that are looking for something else to go. And I guess uh, it'll be a watch this space kind of thing because it's literally happened an hour, two hours ago that all this has sort of dropped. So it's I'm I'm sure there'll be something that comes out of it, but in the meantime, it's a hard road for everybody. Yeah, and no one knows what's going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like every, pretty much every single aspect of League in Australia is going to be run by North America now. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it feels really weird, especially since it's our region that it, this mm-hmm. is happening to. It's not like it, like, we have we have the smallest population server-wise. That's 100% true. But over the past few years, we've definitely shown that we are the one of the strongest... Uh, wildcard teams, as they call them, which isn't one of the major regions. You know, mm. we beat every other every other team in the playing stage of Worlds, except for Russia. Every mm. other team. So Japan, Brazil, Turkey, these amazing regions, they are living on, but without... Yeah, they, they still get the right support, but we don't. It, it feels mm. really, really bad. Um, mm. Does this mean... Yeah, all, all LOL tournaments will have to be... Uh, unofficial they won't be right endorsed and uh there's a question from menfonzo there as well i hate to ask but has opl been profitable for riot i i would hazard a guess that it's probably not and that would be an overriding factor for for why it's being shut down and that press release from them would would indicate that as well and and it it is harsh to say but at the end of the day that's that's what drives these companies you know they you might have right money to throw at stuff, but that doesn't mean you you want to be wasting it, unfortunately. Yeah. But it does mean that if with the support of people around around the place, if Australia and OCE do build up a league of their own, you'll know it's supported by grassroots and grassroots competitions. 
generally have a better success rate because they've got the people around there willing to do the work, willing to support it. And, and generally you see that's where the success starts in the grassroots. A hundred percent. And I'm just like everyone at the moment, no one knows what's going on. It's like, it was unofficially announced, like, and then they came out with a rushed, like three paragraph statement closing Mm. an entire league. Yeah. Like it's, it just screams like this entire situation has been mishandled. And I, I'm extremely like worried about the future of, uh, like the future talent of this region because they don't have a an ecosystem in their own country to support it. They have to get, mm. they have to move halfway across the world in order to succeed. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, it, it just it just feels really bad. Yeah. So wh- one thing I was trying to work out in all this because there was a lot of stuff in in the um in the press release it was sort of talking about um classing OCE located players for the North American League but I couldn't really work out if there was an opportunity for some of the OPL teams to just transfer into the North American teams is is that something you're you're across or have heard anything about um so I, I don't think that will be the case. Uh, North America is a franchised league, so spots in the LCS are okay. probably a few, like they're probably a few million at oh, the wow. cheapest. Oh. At, at probably probably an average would be about over ten million dollars for a spot. So mm. I, I doubt that they can get that. They as as Jana said in chat, they do have a spot at the international tournaments coming up, but how they're going to determine which team goes to that when we don't have our own tournament system mm. uh, feels a little feels a little weird. There's a lot of question marks. And yeah, as, as you said, um, OS players will be considered uh, NA residents for the LCS, which means that they don't have, uh, they don't count as an import slot. So in, in North American teams, you're only allowed two import slots. So that, that means like a European player, Turkish, Korean, Chinese, they take up one import slot. And Oce, uh, Oceania did as well. Mm. But basically what this means is that you could have a lot of Oceanic players uh, in in teams that already have two imports. So, for example, the top laner of Cloud9 Academy, which is uh, the most dominant academy team in North America, he's from Australia. His, his value probably, I'd say, easily tripled because he instantly became a resident. He instantly became considered a resident of North America. Mm, yeah. But then, of course, we run into the problems we were talking about earlier about either having to relocate over there or deal with, you know, 300 ping back to a, a server yeah. in the United States. It's uh, it's going to be a difficult time. And I'm seeing a lot of comments in chat that are basically amounting to a meme of Bender going, screw them, we'll create our own league with blackjack and hookers. That's what I'm reading at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a hard situation all around. Um, Zulu, have you got anything that you'd like to add to it? Look, I have to be honest, I'm not a huge esports fan. And that's not a criticism of you know, League of Legends or Riot or any other esports just more of a player rather than a watcher so it's been interesting to to see from a sort of detached position the reaction this has caused but i think there's a lot of problems in the oceanic area to do with internet infrastructure and just the support like when i go to to america for events 
you've got people there basically there's money for the players to have that as just their job that's all they do there are university scholarships for you know prestigious universities to play esports whereas most of the esports players i've met here have a day job probably mm. another day job on the side and then they're squeezing in their esports thing around that because there's just no money in the local scene for anything yeah so it's a challenging time all around and obviously this isn't a, a great sign but it's going to be interesting to see what the local you know esports community does when they step back and go what are we going to do mm-hmm. and i think i think that's the main thing is like we're, we're australian okay australia new zealand we do not give up if we give mm-hmm. up then we're not australian we're not oceanic we need to take this as a screw you we can do it ourselves you know we may not make money. We may not make any money at all. But if we can, like, if we can show the rest of the world that we deserve, it, like, we deserve it. We're like, it. Uh, I, I don't have any words. Uh, today's just been a, a real mess. But yeah, if we can, if we can show the rest of the world that we are actually a competitive region that produces amazing talent, like we have done in the past, then. Mm-hmm. I feel like support will just come from outside sources as well. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it'll be be a hard time in the meantime. But I'm sure there's there's some good eggs in there working on something that they that we can do. And, and I look forward to watching this space. And no doubt, I'm sure Pentanet.gg will have some, uh, some some announcements coming up. And I'm sure Pete will be regaling us with those when he can. Um, but oh, Mercury, yes. yes, yes, we we will definitely hear about that. <laughs> um, and, but Mercury, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. I know you have to duck off and um, and go cast a Valorant tournament that will start in probably about ten minutes. So uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck in that. And uh, thank you, man. Yeah, let us know if you hear anything about about uh, OPL stuff in the future. Yeah, we'll do. The next few days are going to be very tough, but. Mm. I think we we can get through it. It's it's going to be a gut punch, but I I, I look forward to seeing what we can do in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. No, it's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure indeed. Oh yeah, so that's going to be uh, interesting times ahead. There, it's always interesting when a when a league gets rolled and what what you can what comes out of it really. Yes, it's uh, going to be interesting times ahead. Mm. Very interesting indeed. But, yes. but anyway, how does that differ from any other point of 2020? Yeah? That is also true. You know, it wouldn't be 2020 if it wasn't keep throwing us curveballs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Night, Night Shepherd says, I bet Pete has like 100 ideas already. I wonder if Skittle's phone's been blowing up. <laughs> I, I'm thinking that that meme of the crazy conspiracy board with Pete <laughs> in front of it, you're connecting red string to everything, saying it all comes together. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm sure he's got that. He did buy himself a whiteboard, so I wouldn't be surprised oh, yeah. if there's a cork board somewhere there with some like red strings going everywhere. Oh and, dear, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Zulu, you've joined us to talk about some stuff you've got in the pipeline for reviews and maybe even some that have already come out on gameonoz.com.au. Yeah. Yes, so I really just join because I like the sound of my own voice, and when I'm the one talking, everybody has to listen. <laughs> Hang on, where's my mute button gone? Oh, <laughs> no, seriously though, no, I, I have mm-hmm. been very busy with a lot of exciting stuff happening. The big one, if you had a look on Game on Oz this morning, you would see that my preview for Watch Dogs Legion is live. The nice folks at Ubisoft organised a hands-on session via streaming for me to play the game, which 
if you are not familiar with it, it's set in London in sort of a post-Brexit scenario where a totalitarian police state has taken over the city and you are one of the members of DedSec trying to, uh, a hacktivist group trying to take back the city. It's all very V for Vendetta, which I really like. So the, the, the big change from the previous Watch Dodge games is there isn't one single, like, main character anymore they've gone mm. from a you know here's the person on the box they're in charge you know you be them to the system where basically everybody in london is a potential player character if you recruit them so it's i do kind of like i do kind of like that that style where like you're you recruit the people that you want to do the suit your play style and that everybody's playthrough is going to be different Absolutely, and it's going to be a combination of your own playstyle. So you're going to go, for example, you might go, I like to be sneaky-breaky, so I'm going to go and look for people who are good at sneaking through things, who are agile. You know, you'll look for people like that in the world to build your team. Somebody else is going to be like, I just like to smash stuff, so they're going to have people who hit hard, and someone else is going to be like, I want all the technology. So uh, it's it's going to be really interesting. What what I thought was interesting is you can also there are also elderly characters in the game too. So you can play as people of all ages and and genders and and you know e everything basically just to get a, a really interesting looking team going on. I, I did see in chat Jane is voting for the granny gang right there. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Well, one of the there's basically uh, an RNG system under the bonnet called Census, as in you know, like a, a census of the population, <laughs> that will d decide on what characters will be rolled depending on the affluence of the area, the sort of pe the demographics of the area, and then what that person's job is, what their hobbies are, who their friends are. So it's it's really detailed. It was interesting to see it in action. You'd scan someone and it would say, you know, this person works as a nightclub bouncer, so they keep weird hours and they're good at fighting, but uh, they've got an aversion to, you know, like, like, you know, for example, one of them had a, a flaw they could get killed if they get hit too hard. I'm like, oh, so, so this is interesting. It's like, do I, you know, this person can flatten people with one punch, but if they die, it's permadeath. You know, mm. Mm, is that what I want to work with? Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, the, the graphics look really impressive. The game's set in, in London, and it looked and felt like London, not just uh, you know here's a vaguely English city. I'm going. You know, if I didn't know any better, I would say I was standing in Piccadilly Circus. So that nice. pleased me immensely. But uh, you know, the, the the caveat, I suppose, is the gameplay was pretty much the same as Watch Dogs 2. I loved Watch Dogs 2. Mm. So this is you know awesome. Shut up and take my money territory. But if you didn't like Watch Dogs 2, from what I played, I can't see this being the one that makes you say, "I must rethink my entire position on this franchise." Mm. But having said that, I haven't played the full game yet. So mm. the game's out on the 29th. So as soon as I get a copy and do a full review, I'll be able to tell everybody, you know, whether or not it is uh, it lives up to the hype. Yeah, I must admit, when when all those sort of upcoming games were announced for for the the, the systems, and um, Watch Dogs Legion was the one that drew my eye more than most of the others. Like, because the yeah, now it's Halo Infinite. Oh yeah, it's another Halo. I'm sure it'll play just like any other Halo out there. And uh, but this the mechanic of being able to recruit the different people just like stuck with me. 
absolutely and it was interesting to see the different characters played differently too hmm. like I, I had a choice of three in the demo i was doing and one of them was very good with with hackers and and, and drones hmm. so she had the ability to take over like flying drones which i could use to get past stuff another guy had a paintball gun which she could use to shoot people in the head and knock them out so hmm. it provided really different styles so when you're able to recruit those people yourself i can see it meaning basically everyone's going to have a different experience with the game hmm. one thing will, will be interesting to see like you said in your the demo version that you played you only had a choice of three different characters but seeing how how varied that census system will make all the characters so whether you'll you'll find going through that this will be your hacker type of character with just slightly different attributes or this will be your 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 brawler type character with similar sort of attributes to the others that'll be something i'll be interested to see because mm. there are only three in the demo because it was basically i think i had about three hours with it mm. so it's not that was all they gave me it was just that was all i had time to to play around with but yeah it will be interesting to see if there are identifiable character classes as you say with different skills or whether they really are just totally different people and the impression i got from scanning people was there really is a mixture of you know people you know this guy's a brawler this woman's a hacker this person is stealth there are a lot of them who seem to have really random mixtures of, of skills mm, well that's good yeah so look if nothing else the game looks great and it'll just be really interesting to, to play and the story seemed pretty good too from what i saw of it nice so you said that comes out on the 20 29th 29th of October on PC and PlayStation and Xbox, and it'll be on the next-gen consoles when they Sweet. show up, too. Do we know if this yeah. one's eligible for the um, the smart delivery that Xbox has? Haven't had that confirmed yet. I will have mm. to, to check with Ubisoft. It wouldn't surprise me. It, it looks pretty good, so uh, it'll mm. be very interesting to see. It's, it's not being pitched as a launch title the way the next one, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, is, mm. but I haven't had a chance to look at that yet mm. so yes but, uh, on the subject of computers the next thing i've been looking at is this very impressive alienware 34 inch curved widescreen monitor they've lent me to review because mm. i'm thinking well we've got, got assassin's creed we've got uh watchdogs we've got cyberpunk we've got the new call of duty black ops i'm going probably time to see what sort of monitors are out there to get the most out of this so i've mm. been playing around with an Alienware, uh, where are we? It is an AW3420DW, so Alpha Whiskey 3420 Delta Whiskey, which is, yeah, 34 inches, 21 by 9 um, aspect ratio, so it's 1440p resolution, 2 millisecond response time, and it, it G Sync. It is very nice. I've been very impressed with it. I was running it with Red Dead Redemption the other day and just going, this is like being in a cowboy movie. Why didn't I do this years ago? Nice. Must admit, monitor is one of the things that I haven't updated for a very long time, and it's probably that and my chair which are in the most urgent need of updating in my office right now. Yes, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. Well, you, mm. you just it's one of those things where you don't realise what a difference a good monitor makes. Mm. You know, pin sharp. So I'll be doing a full review for that and on Goa in the coming week or so, just once I get some of the other stuff out of the way since people keep deciding to release consoles and video games it's terribly inconsiderate of them. Oh, what, what a time to be alive though all these stuff you get sent to review oh no, and... no. I, keep, I keep having to explain to my kids that you know 
no, most people do not have all the video games at the moment. <laughs> you know, they have one. <laughs> yes. So yeah. yeah, and the other the other thing, just since since somebody foolishly left a hot mic where I can find it, is I managed to get my hands or my wrist rather on the new Fitbit Versa Three smartwatch. Ooh. Yeah, I'm really really impressed with it. It's uh, it's they've, they've only just come out. From from what I gather, I've basically got one of the pre-production versions. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it looks like an Apple Watch, but it's it's not obviously. Mm. But it works really well. It has all the heartbeat tracking uh, the gps tracker is pretty good too you can go for a little run and see where you've been the battery lasts for six days i've only had to charge oh, it wow. once since i got it and that was because i left it with an always-on watch face yeah. uh, it has basically been doing everything i would hope a smartwatch would and it's comfortable it, apparently it's waterproof to 50 meters i haven't been game to test that yet despite my fondness of throwing things into water mm-hmm. and seeing what happens uh, yeah, size-wise, it is. I haven't got the exact millimeter size on it, but it's it's a lot. Normally, I wear a forty-two millimeter watch, which is fairly big as far as watches go. But that's my style. This is much smaller than that, but it sits nicely on my wrist. There will be photos when I do the full review. Mm-hmm. But so, if I had to hazard a guess, I'd say it feels like maybe a thirty-five millimeter. You know, seven mil doesn't sound like much, but when you're talking wristwatches, it's yeah. quite a difference. But the ability to change faces and basically do all the stuff you would expect a smartwatch to do is good. And the sleep tracking ability and it has been really, really useful for me. I mean, it already tells me what I know, that I don't get anything like enough sleep. <laughs> but actually having some numbers there saying, you went to sleep at this time and you woke up at this time and you were in REM sleep for this and you woke up then very helpful and it has a smart alarm so that what the alarm does is instead of going all right we see shit we're going to get up at 7 30 it tracks your sleep cycle and goes well actually waking you up at 7 15 means you're not in REM sleep so you're less likely to be going no shut up alarm go oh, away uh. that is a feature i desperately need yes and it just gently vibrates on your arm so it's better than having your phone going wake up wake yeah. up you've got stuff to do yep so yeah so those are the three things that have been keeping me most out of trouble in the world of gaming and tech this week i say i'm a bit interested in that fitbit watch not not so much for the uh the sports purposes but i've I've been rocking a first edition pebble kickstarter since it first came out yeah there's like it's even got like kickstarter edition printed on the back of it but it's uh unfortunately since uh they went under it's it's not been the best and it probably really is in need of an upgrade being seven or eight years old now i think it's uh, getting on yes yeah look I'm, I'm very fond of smart watches though i mean watches in general are one of my hobbies i love actual watches so mm. my preference is a mechanical watch as in one that you either have to wind up yourself or that it automatically winds when you walk mm. But I also love, for example, the uh, the notifications on a smartwatch like this Fitbit. Mm-hmm. When somebody messages me, I can go, "Oh, who's that? You know, is this something that matters?" Yeah. And just just little things like, for example, up here in Queensland, if you touch your phone when you're driving, it's a thousand dollar fine. Mm-hmm. But so if somebody messages me and my watch vibrates, I can look at my watch, go, "Oh, okay, that's that's important. I need to pull over and you know." activate the hands-free and, and attend to this mm-hmm. or i can go oh it's just an fyi email that's fine it can wait yeah so it's uh, very 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 helpful and it feels very sturdy the, the one i've got's got a lovely midnight blue strap and uh, sort of a, a gold colored um case to it which is rather fetching it's mm. uh, she goes quite well up here on my shoes too mm-hmm. 
fashion conscious there. Oh, absolutely. I'm a man of many talents, some of which are in fact suitable to discuss on a family radio show. How, how does it go with your, your nice big tank goggles that you got on there? Uh, look, I haven't tried it with those yet, but you see the tank goggles I have got are um, have sort of a khaki finish, so they'll probably go in with it, but I don't know how it's waterproof, but I don't know how to handle if I was running through the jungle with it. It'll be... <laughs> I'm sure the fit that people probably don't want me to take it out and go through the bush and go, ah, I went on an extended hunting trip with your smartwatch and uh, fell down a ravine. This still works! <laughs> but no, I've been very impressed with it so far, and it does exactly what I'd hope it to do, and it's it, I've got it connected up to an Android phone, mm-hmm. but it will work just fine with iOS too. Nice. Actually, one thing yeah. I've... Because um, like, when the first smartwatches first started coming out, and this is a little bit of a tangent here. Um, you know, it's a podcast. We need a tangent somewhere in here. Oh, of course. It's, um, it's like one of the things that drew me to the Pebbles was the fact that it was just notifications on there. And then when yeah. like Apple and Samsung jumped on and said, we're going to bring out these smartwatches and you're going to be able to reply to messages or voice activate it and this and this and this and this and this and, this and go, that's too much on my watch. I just want it to tell me what's come through on my phone i just yeah you know, a, a, a bit of an extension of the phone not to actually replace the phone no, well they're quite good because in mm. uh, in proper hor- horological circles things like date um the day th- those things are known as complications mm. so you know the more ex- more expensive watches have more of those things like i've yeah. got one that tells you the day the date and it has the phases of the moon it looks really oh. cool very classy but uh, mm. it's really just for a novelty but uh, with the, the, basically, you're getting all these features in a smartwatch, and instead of having to pay some very talented Swiss watchmaker and there's some, a very large sum of money to make them, mm. you can basically have an app that goes, okay, the weather here is this, time is this, mm. time in London is this, uh, you know, here's connected up to my calendar. They're, they're a lot more useful than, than the lift pitch makes them sound. Mm. That's amazing. Oh, Mathonzo wants to know, question without notice, if money was no not a question, which watch would you buy? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, are we talking watch I might actually wear or watch that I want other watch people to know that I've got? Because, uh, Why not both? Well, yes, yeah, I was going to say, say uh, the... Uh, the watch I would like to be able to get for everyday use is a toss-up between an Amiga Speedmaster Professional Moonwatch or the uh, Breitling Navitimer. Mega Speedmaster Professional is the watch that the astronauts wore on the moon. And the Breitling Navitimer is a famous watch from the golden age of aviation, which you could use to navigate an aeroplane with if you wanted to. So from that perspective, those would be my choices for watch I could actually wear out of the house. For giant fat stacks of cash, look at my fancy watch, yo, to other fancy watch people. Probably something like uh, Ulysses Nardan. Those things are really nice. Uh, or an IWC Portuguese here would be very nice too if I could afford one of those. Nice, nice. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so that's just me being true to form and talking about watches that cost ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, I was in the Hudson Bay Company store in Montreal last year for something and they had Ulysses Nardan and it was something like. 30,000 Canadian dollars, which is the same as here, so it, it, it's stupid money. Mm. But you got to, if you're going to spend money, you may as well spend it on something you like. Oh, absolutely, and I, I maintain that watches are amongst the few items of jewellery that it's socially acceptable for men to wear, so, mm. you know, basically, and, and they're, they're a useful way to let other people know that you have good taste. 
That's it. Cool. Uh, on to so, point yes. number three for tonight, though. So at the moment, we have the Australian Game Developer Awards going. Actually happening right now as we speak. I was watching it before we went to air. So um, there's a lot, lot of brilliant Australian game devs in there. And I noticed there's a game in there, Windbound, that was nominated for Best Art that Lukey was playing on stream. And I'm sure there's probably a few more in there that... that we've been played and I just don't recognize I recognize moving out that was I know that got popular um earlier this year I as loved well. moving out moving out mm. is so good but it it's is just such it's such an... a great simple concept mm. and everyone it's really accessible to the uh the guys at SMG Studios went to a lot of trouble to put in a bunch of accessibility options so mm. everyone doesn't matter whether you know yeah, whether you've got some disabilities or you're just not very good at games, young or old, you can play the game and enjoy it. Mm. See, that's good. We want to want to make sure that everybody can enjoy games. It's uh, absolutely gaming yeah. is for everyone. On on another side note, I was quite happy to see over the weekend when Squadrons dropped right out of the box. That came with a whole heap of accessibility options in it as well. So that was a really good one for for people that that need those. And it's good to see a a sort of AAA game, I guess, getting those getting those options yeah. built in. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, our own Inferno, the historian, I think I'm allowed to say, was a judge for for this. So um, yeah. he he reviewed a few games and um, he was very very happy with with the quality of of the ones that he saw there. Um, and I'd be very curious to see who wins the the game of the year there. So the game of the year is yeah. um, between. Boomerang food, which kind of looks like a little multiplayer, basically kill each other with boomerangs and some crazy power up type thing. Um, moving outs in there as well, which for those of yeah. you that don't know, is another little multiplayer game where you literally move somebody out. You work for a removal company, and you've got to get all the luggage out, luggage furniture out, and pack up uh, the the truck on the way to go. And then there's one called Necro Barista, which I'm only just sort of passingly familiar in, but the art style on it looks quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I did I did see that actually did win one of the earlier awards for best art style. So that was um, quite quite an yeah. interesting looking one. And also Boomerang Fu won best gameplay as well. So there's a there's a few there is some there. fantastic stuff happening in the indie space. It's just oh. a shame there isn't more government support, certainly for the uh, for the industry, so that people mm. can make more games and not just make them, but so people actually know they exist and that they can play them. Mm. That's right. Like it's it's uh, it's it's quite hard sometimes to to find the, these games. Like I've played a couple on stream recently that we've managed to get keys keys for luckily i remember there was one called jenny leclue which was right up my alley oh, yeah. like it was it wasn't the most complex of games but the art style and it was very beautiful and like the story in the game was on point and it was sort of like an old point and click game with not what so many puzzles don't, nobody makes those as much as they used to. No, nah, they, they once again they've sort of like there's a few indie games out there that that have gone that that route, and I think after you know because Telltale Games came back and they made they re made some Sam and Max games, and um, Back to the Future had had a point and click game as well, but I I don't think they really sold that well. 
And obviously the no, Telltale going I mean, under as well. That was yeah, thing. which was a shame. But then, mm. so I played the Telltale Walking Dead series and I mm. liked it, but it felt a bit on rails, if that makes sense. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was an interactive story, is what. Yeah, David which was. is fine. Yeah. I love a good mm. interactive story, but I'm, I'm, I'm harkening back to the good old days of, of Sierra, mm. when you know, basically the not quite at that level where if you forgot the weird cog in the third scene of the second level then the whole oh. game was stuffed and you oh, would like discover that... it until 50 hours later what was that that one there's that famous one with the goat puzzle that just ev- oh, oh, yeah. it's like yeah. famous for having stumped them because how the hell do you get past that bloody goat yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, we'll get Gamma's just said in chat that full throttle is the king of point and click, and I'm not going to argue on that one. But I will say that uh, Indiana Jones is another one that needs to be up there. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, I'm a big fan of Grim Fandango. So many of those early LucasArts games where, like, you you think LucasArts, you think Star Wars, but they made, like, um, Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle. They did the original, some of the OG flight simulators. The um, things like their finest hour, Battle of Britain, 1940, was one of my favourite games as a kid. One of the very first PC games we had, mm. and all that was LucasArts, and they built on their experience from that and Secret Weapons of the Luftwaffe to segue into the fantastic Tie Fighter and X-wing mm. games. Yeah, which, you know, were basically you know like just perfection at the time, and still are to an extent. Mm. Yeah, uh, the yeah, it's 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 interesting because they did sort of turn into. Um, a Star Wars game making company, but like there was there other little bits like the like the Luftwaffe games and stuff like that, and the point and, and click games, which was mm. for years pretty much the only Wild West themed video game yeah. floating around, like for a really 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 long time. In fact, until uh, I think there may have been one of there was something similar to the people who did. Um, uh, command, not commandos. No, actually, sorry, commandos. I think had something similar, mm. like as I'm said in the Wild West. But basically, for years, Outlaws was pretty much it. If you wanted a cowboy themed game, and then we got Red Dead Redemption One, mm. and now we have Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, I think so. which of course is one of the greatest and best games ever, <laughs> which I still haven't played. What? Well- but I, there's so many of those games that I didn't play because I sort of came from the more Nintendo background and so I was Nintendo uh, first. I always did have like either an Xbox or a PlayStation there as the side bit console that, that I would play certain things on. But I went through phases like for, for PlayStation 2, I was big into the Final Fantasy. So that's mainly what I played on my PlayStation 2, where, whereas I was still going, was that... Was that the 64 era, or that might have been the GameCube era? But um... yeah, I grew up in New Zealand where Nintendo basically wasn't a thing, which I know Reflex isn't here, but if he was, he would back me up on this. Mm. But basically, if you had a console, it was a Sega Master System and then a Mega Drive. And I mean, there were Nintendos about, but they weren't a cultural icon. Mm. And then I come over here and everybody's like, Mario Kart, Banjo Kablooey, yeah. Donkey Kong. I'm like, the hell are all these games you people are talking about? <laughs> So uh, it was, yeah, it was interesting. But then I also remember Sega was so big when the first Sony PlayStation showed up. I remember mm. standing in an electronics shop in Christchurch with a friend of mine, looking at this grey box with the disc slot on the top, going, "What the hell is a PlayStation? <laughs> and why are the people that make a Walkman trying to make video games? You know, it'll never catch on." And here we are, twenty-five years mm. later, looking at the PlayStation Five, going, "Oh, new generation of gaming time." That's it. Yeah, it's funny how those things happen as well. And like the the 
legend of how Nintendo got Sony into the, the console game as well because they decided that Philips could make it cheaper, so they've gone with them. And Sony have gone, well, screw you, we're taking this and releasing it. Uh, then we, yeah, if we want to start talking about things like the video Jaguar oh. and all the other weird and wonderful consoles, there was even a period, and we're going to go on a little period in the mid-1990s where you could get a 386 and a Mega Drive, like 386 PC and a Mega Drive, in one console it's called the mega pc oh, wow. and the idea behind it was that you could use your pc for serious business work and then you could use your mega drive for playing games because at the time there was still this feeling that pcs were for work and mm. consoles were for kids to play computer games yeah and of course now we know better because mm. all those people who grew up with computers for work are like no games but yeah. Uh, yeah at the time that was seen as a viable marketing option to basically justify mum and dad buying a you know, oh it's all right they can you know little billy or little janie can use this pc for schoolwork, and of course you know then you can plug in your cartridge mm. and play sonic the hedgehog yep so yeah so there's just a fun little regression to fill some time just, so, so, side note like back back in the day when when they used to have like these wonderful add-ons for consoles, like trying to do uh, the the yes. the CD for the Super Nintendo, yes, and the, even the Mega CD, yes. yeah, and, and the, the Nintendo sixty four had the disc drive and and all that sort of stuff, and like uh, even if you have a look, well, not so much anymore, but as recently as the GameCube, which is still 10, 15 years ago, like it still had all the connections underneath to connect all sorts of one weird and wonderful gadgets to it like oh ab absolutely and there's still a community out there of people i think are trying to get the keep the dreamcast operating mm. and that's without getting into all the people who are still making atari systems work it is just crazy mm. you know that the homebrew communities oh. out there just do them and i'm not talking like homebrew as in the the refreshing amber stuff just people mm. who really get into the stuff and keep this tech some of it's older than i am there's, still going and still developing things for it. You know, occasionally you'll see a story will pop up on Reddit and someone's saying, hey, so-and-so's bought out a new game for the Atari 2600. I'm going, didn't that come out in 1977? Mm -hmm. There's still a, a big scene out there for Super Mario World ROM hacks. Where, I can absolutely believe it. Yeah, but most of it gets made... Like, there's a, there's a third-party Super Nintendo called a Super NT, which allows for, right. like, um, Super Nintendo... ROMs to be loaded onto that and yeah. put onto a memory card and chucked into there and play it. But there is also a very sort of niche market on it that, like, it, there's a there's a thing amongst streamers where you'll make a ROM hack and name it after a particular streamer. Uh, like there's right. one, like Grand Poo World is one which is named after Grand Grand Poo Bear, who's a big Mario streamer. Uh, but what the guy who made that did was he actually got an old Super Nintendo cart, wiped it and loaded it onto that so it's hard coded onto this super nintendo cart and then oh, like redid awesome. the art and everything it's crazy the, the one i absolutely loved that i saw again if it was on twitter or reddit somewhere the other day was someone had taken an old school computer tower one of those beige monstrosities because mm -hmm. again kids pretty much every computer made between 1989 and 1998 was beige and built like a soviet tank and what they'd done is they'd stripped all the internals out and put a modern system in there. So it had, you know, it was like an RTX, you know, NVIDIA graphics card in there. Yes, a sleeper, as Jana says. You know, and I had, I was looking at it going, this person is a legend. This is mm. exactly 
what I love. On the outside, it's, hey, 1995 is calling. It's time for the new Seinfeld episode. <laughs> but inside, it's already for Cyberpunk 2077. Nice, nice. <laughs> so. so, yes. Yes, good times, good times. Oh. Now, aren't we supposed to ask a big question or something? We do. I, I and track. and we, we do have one. Well, I was, I was sort of padding for time because we still got another 12 minutes or so. Oh, so we've got plenty of time, but but it does segue the, the old stuff we're talking about does segue nicely into the big question that I've got tonight. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the music and I'm gonna sing the song. So let's uh let's let's see how I go. Why not? Big question. It's a bloody big. There we go. So, this is a question. That's it. We got a question. Woo! Um, so, this comes from a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, those of you that have been watching my, my streams on Game on Oz here will know that I broke my finger playing hockey about a month ago now. And I had to be in this splint, which thankfully is coming off now and I'm doing rehab and blah, 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 blah. But one of the things I went looking for was... Um, this old Nintendo that I had because I knew somewhere in there I had a, a NES Advantage Pro well NES Advantage I think it's called which is an old like arcade stick and I thought I'll have some Nintendo game around that I can play on it but as I'm rooting through the box I come across actually I'm going to show it on stream because people will be able to see it and in box copy of the original Legend of Zelda. Ooh, yes, okay. it does. It does have the eight dollars written on there from wherever I bought it from, and the box is a bit tack tatty, but it's still like the gold cartridge. And I thought that is amazing. That is a brilliant little bit of Ooh, shiny. of yeah, n nice shiny stuff. And I thought, what a good thing to have as the big question. What have you found accidentally when you've gone searching for something else. So what treasure have you found when you've gone searching for something else? The word of the day, boys and girls, is serendipity. Yep, that's it. So, yeah, I, and I, I get lots of really cool stuff like that. No, I can say it. Um, that I just, I hide away because for the longest time I had nowhere to display all this. And now I've got a nice little wall behind me that I can show off everything on. Like, even to the point where I've got a box copy of Secret of Mana with manual and map and everything in it too, man. That I just pulled out of the same box. It's If we're, if we're going to play Remember When while we wait for some questions to come up in chat. Do you remember when computer games came in a box or like a printed novel oh, that was the manual? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good yeah. times. I think we're gonna have to, we'll have to come back to that one because it's such a, a good topic. Mm. Some good stuff it's, coming through in the chat. Yeah, yeah we've got Drop Bear saying I have an EverDrive cart for both the NES and the 64. They have all the retro NES and 64 games on them. Great fun. Arion saying you found an ultra rare Final Fantasy Advent Children charm. Ooh. Uh, Jana says Mum's a hoarder, so stuff is everywhere, everywhere at home. Yeah, buddy cleaning up and found an old Game Boy. Hey. Nice. Ah, oh, mm. it's something I haven't seen in a while. The Game Boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah that... the, the OG ones. Mm. Like, like an OG Game Boy. Yeah. I used to sell those things back when I was working in retail. Not that mm. one popular. Yeah, well, Nintendo have done really well with their handhelds. Like, the Game uh, Game Boy was such an iconic bit 
of oh, portable machine. Even though, like, because I remember at the time I didn't have a Game Boy, but I got an Atari Lynx with the. Um... Oh wow! Now there's there's a blast from the past. Yeah, but they were they were quite good fun, and like at the time these things are in color. These are um, yeah amazing, and like the carts were pretty cool too but the battery life on them was pretty terrible and you could buy like a an extra battery pack that took like eight d-cell batteries yeah. to power it all like batteries yeah. uh, and there was also like a light i think you could get you could plug into it so you could play it in the dark which is when most kids would be playing on their game boy yeah. Yeah, uh, I remember the there was an attachment for the Game Boy that like had a magnifying glass and a light that went over yes. the top. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh Jana uh, says yes. not Game Boy, Game and Watch, even better. So I, I misread that as like a game and a watch, like several oh. things. I'm like, cool, the Game Boy Watch. That sounds pretty cool. That ties into our whole previous conversation about watches. It's a nice little watch games. calculator. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. It, no, no, that's... Uh, uh, <clears throat> come on, folks, in chat. I, I see there are 109 people tuned in at the moment, so surely some of you have been looking for something and found something else really cool. doesn't have to be game-related. I will take finding Ooh. large sums of money down the back of the couch, uh, missing toys you've been looking for for ages. Um, you, you know one thing was my, um, my favourite thing to do when I was a kid because my old man was involved in a local f- football club over here, and so we, we'd go down there and as like when I was about eight or nine years old, it must have yeah. been. And you'd always, the first place you'd always go to was like down the front that faced the oval. And you'd walk along there and you would find all the coins that the drunk people left on the, on the floor. And like, they'd usually come away with like four or five bucks out of it. Nice. Yeah. Seeing Menthes in, uh, in chat saying he is, uh, his old man used to sort of help him sort he's helped old man sort out a warehouse one day, found a heap of old Atari systems that didn't work. You could probably strip those things for some cash now. Hopefully it wasn't you now a boatload of ET games. Uh, well, no, I thought they got buried in a landfill in Arizona. That, that was and the um, the urban myth. I don't... I, I no, it actually but... happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember was, there was a whole heap then... of thing about people going to try and find it. Yeah, no, no, and the funny thing is one of the universities recently did an archaeological survey to dig them up. I'm like, guys, <laughs> come on. But no, seriously, there was a whole thing about it, and it was really interesting. I mean, if, if you've got time, and you're near an internet, and if you're listening to this, you are near an internet, look up the great video game crash of, 90, of the ni- 1982, 1983. Basically, Atari accidentally killed the entire console gaming industry in the early 80s by mm-hmm. making more copies of the game E.T. the Extraterrestrial than there were consoles in existence to play it. Mm-hmm. So you had a game that was terrible, printed in larger quantities than could possibly exist to play it, and the entire industry collapsed in on itself. Good times! Jana says she found her dad's stash of pub glasses that he took home by accident, in inverted commas. From... See, when somebody says they found their dad's stash of, I'm quickly ready yeah. to make sure it's SFW. SFW, oh, good, pub and, glasses. Yep, that's yeah. fine. We're good. We're good. I, I was reading that first and I go, who has spectacles in pubs like that? Like, why yeah. are pubs giving away spectacles? But Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. So I go, yeah, maybe he has fancy spectacles to wear yeah. to the pub so everybody thinks he's an intelligent mm. maker. But yeah, just, just back on the, uh, the video game crash in the 80s, that was yeah. why, like, on, on the Legend of Zelda one, game that I pulled out before, you see up close and personal there's these Nintendo seals there. That was one of the yes, things Nintendo started that was a big doing. Deal. 
because there was so much shovelware on games. Oh, God, Nintendo, shovelware. Yeah, Nintendo just went, you know what, we're approving every single game that goes on our console to make sure it's at least half decent. Yeah, if, if you think some of the crap in the Steam store is bad, you should have seen the, the error of shovelware. Mm. Just, wow. Yeah. We could probably, that's probably another one for a, for a future podcast. Yeah. <laughs> around and talk about shovelware yeah. but also by the same token how good were like shareware games where you'd basically oh, get the first level of the game to try it out for nothing and then yeah you'd, you'd just go nuts well, well, if you I mean, wanted to how... you go buy the game you know but i mean that's how wolfenstein and doom were marketed mm. to be honest i didn't know there were more levels to those games until they sort of did like doom 2 came out and they did mm. the ultimate editions and you got everything yeah as gamma says things like duke nukem 3d mm. you know i thought for years because the only versions anybody had was the shareware version because it was free it took me years to realize there were actually more levels and add-ons and stuff mm. for the game uh, but yeah but I, I honestly think now that betas fill in a lot of that role of what shareware used to do and demos you used mm. to buy like a magazine and you'd get a demo disc with all the, the demos and yeah now they just call it a, a, an open beta and, and let you test the game for them. that's it yeah Sell, sell you uh, your pre-order rights to alpha test a game yes uh, again that's pro- that will be an excellent subject for another <laughs> podcast because if we talk about it all tonight no one's going to have any reason to come back and that's right that's that. right you yeah. have to come back and bring us your ears and we, and we do want to start on time for nico if nico's around yes 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 we don't want to keep nico waiting um, like, as much as i would like to ramble on and on and on and on and uh, make everybody go oh god he's still talking why <laughs> yes no patient nico was sitting there tapping his digit virtual watch saying what are those two is doing it? yeah he there he's he around i feel extremely That's seen it. right Look at now that. yeah so my watch still says like two and a half minutes nico so you know we're early tonight you yeah, says, according, according to this, I'm looking at 7.58pm Australian oh. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday the 7th of October 2020. Do you, you want to hold up a newspaper as well, just for proof of life and everything while we're here? Oh, no, I, I thought maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll just twirl my moustache and uh, wave to everybody when they come back and look at how things were in the past. No worries. All right, well, we will finish it up there, I think. We'll get Nico on, on continuing his two months of 2K there. Thank you, everybody, for for joining us tonight. Thank you, Mercury, for popping in to talk about the uh, OPL closures and all the interesting things that are happening there. Thank you, Zulu, for the feedback on all your reviews that you got coming up. Always happy to help. You know that I'm a for a hot mic in the audience. That's it. Yeah, you're always welcome for a soapbox. <laughs> but. Uh, and a big thank you to our audience for listening to us and uh, tuning in as we do every week. So uh, we can't do what we do without you. And without you, we have nothing to do. That's very true. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, don't forget to save. Do not forget to save.